a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to another episode of Sitting Around Talking Movies, the Talking Pictures podcast. Only three of us today. Where is Lisa Rossman? She's coming back soon. I'm Neil Rosen, sitting here as always with Bill Brigoli. Yes, sir. And Bill McCuddy. I'm here. Who's nursing some kind of like bad head yeah, cold. Yeah. He's going to get us all sick. What must the show do, Neil? The show must go on. That's Bill. why I'm here. That's absolutely true. For a while. Absolutely true. Plus, We're it's my apartment, so I really don't have movie. a choice. What's that? It's my apartment. I don't really have a choice. Yeah, it's his apartment right in the heart of uh, Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to start talking about, we're going to talk about The Deuce today. It's the show on HBO. Maybe you've seen it. We're going to talk about this documentary about Walt Disney that I saw on public television. We'll talk about Disney and his influence. But we're going to start out talking about a movie that none of us have seen, which is unusual because they're not showing it to us. It's a big movie, and it's called Mother. We've been talking about it for like a month now because it was on everybody's most anticipated list. Everybody's radar. It's Darren Aronofsky who did The Wrestler and who did... uh, Black Swan. Yeah, exactly. And it stars Jennifer Lawrence, his real-life girlfriend. And uh, they will not screen this movie for us. What's up with that, Bill Bergoli? I think they're just screening it at uh, film festivals. Well, apparently it was very well received in Venice. From what I'm to understand, I'm reading and mixed stuff. Yeah, I've seen mixed also. It's about it's running 78 percent right now on uh, Rotten Tomatoes of those people who have seen it. But uh, you know, as as I said, it looks to me like uh, Rosemary's Baby updated, which for me is great. I'm a huge Polanski fan. We'll talk about Repulsion a little later on because that's on demand right now or streaming. But, yeah, but uh, I I I don't I don't know why they're not showing this. So it used to be. Unless a movie was really bad, you know, where they just didn't want the reviews, there would not be, um, you know, they would always have a screening. Unless it was this just universally terrible movie where you'd see in the paper the next day or on Friday you'd read in the paper and it says, such and such movie was not made available to review at press time. We will have a review tomorrow and the New York Times critic or the Daily News and New York Post critic would go out and see it in a regular theater. Well, they'd have that Friday morning screening for you, you know, like, yeah. oh, we're screening it at 10 a.m. on uh, Friday, you know. 
which means this is a bad sign. So is this a new trend? I mean, Mother is the kind of movie where, I mean, it's a movie that would need press. It's not like some shitty action movie that, you know, uh, they don't want it reviewed. It's critic proof. I mean, this is a movie that, not just word of mouth, but, you know, it, this could... If Jennifer Lawrence could open a movie, that stopped after the... Uh, Joy? No, after the Passengers. Yeah. Oh, I but, love Passengers. Yeah, I did too, but she couldn't open it. Um, look, uh, we were lucky enough, Bill was lucky enough, to find some sound from these guys. Maybe they can explain what drew them to the movie. Actually, Jennifer Lawrence says that this is the kind of movie that gets people talking. That's one of the greatest things that can happen to you as an artist, to be a part of a movie that starts a conversation, because it's an original idea. And I've never seen certain stories or certain ideas woven together in this way. So I, I'm still thinking about it. All right, so my question to both of you is, is this a trend that, just the way we had this whole discussion about Rotten Tomatoes, a few weeks ago and how um, that is kind of supplanting the regular critic of, uh, you know, just like, just even Bill just said a few moments ago, well, it got a 78 on Rotten Tomatoes, you know. Is uh, this going to, you think this is going to be a trend of like, let's just not screen this for critics? Why? Well, let's remind people the, the Rotten Tomatoes conversation we were having was, are the studios getting involved in manipulating it by not showing certain people certain movies because they don't like the low scores that Neil Rosen or the low scores that Bill McCuddy or the low scores that Bill Bergoli give movies so Which they, lower the they front load it with the people they do want to show it to and don't show it to other people. Um, yeah, I think, but I think that's always been going on. I think that it's the, as we said a few weeks ago, the admin of Rotten Tomatoes puts it all on one website where you can go and then aggregate it. So it's, it's not as it, they lose even more control in that sense. But, uh, the, the thing that surprises me is that if there is a sense that this movie's in any trouble at all, I don't see it from any of the trailers or anything I've heard from people who are positive I'm about it. I'm excited it. to see it. So, I mean, unless Jeffrey Wells, our pal from uh, Hollywood Elsewhere, uh, is head over heels for this movie and thinks it's one of Aronofsky's best, as do a couple of other people I trust. Other than uh, your Rosemary's Baby comparison, uh, can, I know we all haven't seen it. They haven't shown it to us. Can you give us, a, does anybody here know, like, give us like a sentence of like what the basic plot is? Uh, the plot is, a, a, <laughs> it's the kind of movie where the characters don't have names. All right. Yeah, that, that was a so that was a conscient. I read that too. That I'm was looking a, for like a plot description. Yeah, well, like they IMDb don't have names. So Jennifer Lawrence's character is ostensibly mother, and she's a very nurturing woman who decides to create a really nice environment out of this burned-out house for her husband, who's a uh, an artist, a one-time successful writer. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and it's and this big farmhouse or Victorian mansion yeah. or something out in the middle it's of nowhere, house. and all of a sudden people start showing up. That either her husband, played by Javier uh, Bardem, Javier Bardem, either he knows them and has invited them there, or he doesn't and didn't, and we're not sure and she's not sure. But that's I'm calling all of that from the trailer, and then there's some mysterious passageway in the basement that looks <laughs> like it goes to who knows where Hell's House. Right. Well, maybe we'll readdress it next week. Maybe we'll all go to see it. And we can uh, we, we, we can chime in on what we think of it. And yeah, Lily and I are going Thursday night, and you know we did that last week after it. We we I, I've noticed and in I, New York City. I don't know if this is happening around the country. I saw a line outside um, 
one of the movie theaters here in New York. Um, no, I'm so sorry. It was out in it, it was out east on the east end of Long Island. There was a big line for seeing it. There's a whole um, what's not frenzy, but they, 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 people want to see this clown movie. Well, they said it was going to make seventy or eighty million dollars, and it made one hundred and twenty uh, last weekend. But what I started to say was that. Lily and I go to these movies, if it opens on a Friday and I haven't seen it at a screening, we'll go the Thursday night before because in Manhattan, uh, I'm sure in Los Angeles, and then I don't know about other cities around the country, hit us up on Twitter and tell us, uh, they'll do, it used to be a midnight show. Used to be in the old days, you could see something midnight the night before because technically that was still Friday. Now they're doing a seven, 10. And interestingly uh, enough, those grosses uh, actually count towards Friday. So if they said it had a huge opening day, they're actually counting some of the money they made on Thursday. Oh, that's you know what's interesting is that the movies that are making the most money these days, for, for the most part, are the movies that if you go back to, you know, the 70s or the, you know, the 60s or the 50s, or 40s, are the movies that were the BC movies, like all these comic book superhero movies, they were just serials that were shown like in the afternoon. You know, the, the, the studios didn't invest a lot. They, they, they were the crap movies that were just getting, now this is the mainstay of what studios do. This clown movie with it, the horror movie, this is making a ton of money. And this was also, if this is the kind of movie that came out like in the 70s. This it was a like, TV series on the set. It was yeah, a yeah. miniseries. But, but, but it would have been buried if this no, was No, that's the, good. Or they would have been running at a drive-in, which we don't have anymore. So I'm saying everything is kind of like upside down. It, it's, it's like the movies, and I'll get into this in the deuce, which we'll talk about in a moment. You could see these marquees on 42nd Street, all these crappy <laughs> movies that, that are being right. shown. These now are the big movies that Hollywood is putting all their muscle and power behind. Yeah, that's funny. And the movies that were their prestige, you know, that you'd run to see, those are relegated to like, well, we're not going to really put a lot of money into that. You know, like... Uh, well, I don't know if that's entirely true, but but well, you're right. Founders, it has they didn't put money into the founders. quality put meter. Behind, Weinstein put it behind Lion. You know, it was like, whereas if they had two comic book movies, believe me, there would have been a budget to, to promote both of those things. Well, Lion was a much better movie than The Founder. Now, do, you, do your little imitation, Bill. <laughs> Good. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I'm too sick. Because so. <laughs> you're uh -huh. sick. Because you've got a bad head. What I wanted to also say was uh, Lily, who's 17 and a huge horror film fan, and I both were kind of underwhelmed by it. I mean, yeah. the, the good news is the kids are amazing. The writing is okay. The bad news is he's not that scary. What's his name again? It's uh, Penny Pennywise. Sickle. Pennywise. 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 Pennystein. Yeah. And did you notice that he's CG in, no. in, in many I, scenes? I, you kept talking about yeah, that, I so I was overprepared for a lot of so scenes. Much, you were over, I'm sorry, you were overprepared? Yeah, because I said that. We, we talked it. last week about Well, you said that somebody gets it in the first five minutes of the kid. Oh, I said that, too. I spoil everything. That's okay. <laughs> first five minutes, you're not really spoiling anything. But I'm sure because of the amount of uh, dollars that this thing generated... Is probably now going to be an it too, or oh, more it. it's set up at the end of the. It's back. Yeah. yeah, they they call this part one. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, there you go. So anyway, moving on. So we've all seen, and we can check it, comment on this, on the uh, new HBO series, The Deuce, which um, you know takes place in New York City in Times Square, in 1971, um, and Maggie Gyllenhaal is a prostitute. And James Franco plays uh, two roles, actually. He plays not his twin brother. He plays his, uh, his brother and his younger brother. He's a bartender, and um, 
that kind of surprised me that I was watching this with my wife and I said, is that also James Franco? By the way, do you think that was a fake mustache that he was wearing or do you think... Um, I think all mustaches are fake in movies, no, but... Uh, anyway, so he's a bartender who's got a trampy wife and I thought uh, he t- I thought he says it is his twin brother when the when the yeah, loan sharks come to yeah. collect. Yeah. I think he's okay. Twin. Yeah. okay. When he there's lies. some other subplots going on. There's a college girl from NYU who uh, I believe she's sleeping with her professor and she gets busted for um, Should mention that David Simon is behind this and yes. this is the thing he sort of came out of. You know, he got everything thrown at him and he had said he wasn't going to do much and then HBO got him he guessed Went in and pitched this. And it, well, it's hookers and pimps and Times Square oh in the early 1970s. <laughs> and I remember Times Square in the early 1970s. I remember getting off the subway and I would literally avoid walking down 42nd Street from the Port Authority to 7th Avenue if I was going to a Broadway show or a matinee because you could not walk down that street without being accosted by, yeah, I'm like a 15 year old kid, by drug dealers, by prostitutes, by pimps, by muggers. I mean, and it was filthy. And I have to say, and we'll get into the, the actual story of the show in a moment and what we thought of that, but the attention to period detail, whoever did the production design on this, and they did not film it, obviously, because Times Square looks nothing like this today. I mean, it's all cleaned up and disney and we'll talk about Disney a little in, in, in a... You know, we have a lot to talk about a little yes, later. Yes, I guess so. I, Stop know, listening to the podcast now. Apparently, everything interesting Am- is happening in 10 minutes. They went up to Amsterdam Avenue and 165th Street, which apparently is a very wide street up there. And I read an article about this, that they were able to redress that area to look like uh, Times Square did in 1971. But there aren't still the movie theaters up there. No, but they put fake marquees up there. Right. The light boxes. If you watch the end of that um, on demand, if you, the, the first episode is on demand, there's a featurette for a few minutes, which talks, which tells you about how they made it look like that they strew garbage all over the street and the graffiti and the dirt. And they, there was an article I read in, a pa- in, in the paper over the weekend showing you locations. It was like, oh, it's a Chinese restaurant. They took it over and they made it one of these audio stores, which were electronic stores, which were very prevalent, like in 1971, where you could buy boom boxes and things like that, you know. And uh, I don't know. I, I just think the attention. It, it, I mean, it really did look like Times Square in 71. That. Playland. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. Yeah, I remember that. I, Dude, I what was that? I would pass that as a kid, and that. I never knew what was that. It was like some game, and you would, <laughs> what you could win money or something like that. And Michael Eisner, when he redid the New Amsterdam Theater, which Aladdin is playing at now, and before that, The Lion King. Um, I think it opened with maybe Beauty and the Beast. I'm not sure, but he said he remembers fondly going to Playland when he was. What What the hell was Playland, Bill Bergoli? Do Do you know? No, I, you, you were know, only going to. Wasn't it I, I just tons here of? Ninety four. It was on its way out when I. Wasn't it like skeet ball and wasn't it like an indoor like place where they had all those games that like uh, no, it wasn't plus an pinball. It, it wasn't was a particular yeah. game, but since gambling was illegal in the seventies, I don't know what you won, but apparently it was a front for something. Like there was a ring of something. <laughs> Bill McCuddy got a new cat who's making noise in the background. It's hearing okay. some rustling uh, around. I, I, I was worried his cat was going to rape but, Alexa. That's Walter. The corner. Yeah. But since gambling was illegal in the early 1970s, yeah, I don't know what you were getting out of that unless it was a, a, a drug ring, a front for a drug ring or a front, uh, you know, a prostitution ring. Or, or maybe something. the show will go there eventually. I mean, they, yeah. they well, went to the trouble the of showing it. to go. Right. 
Um, an industry is a... Uh, I, I, since you're going to talk about Times Square before we get into the, whether you thought it was good or not, uh, there is one scene where he's coming up out of a subway, and it's Times Square, and it looks very much like a blue green screen CGI kind of... Well, yes, the, the letters on the trains. It's a white background, if that's what you're talking about. And then this, it says Allied Chemical on the no, top. I'm talking about the buildings and the actual Times Square where the ball drops and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, well, it, it used to be the Allied Chemical building. Yeah, it, it was the Times that building. didn't look real to me. Everything, everything you're describing shot uptown does look good to me. And I think it is authentic. Well, um, my wife said it looked all CGI, the shot that you're talking about. Yeah. With, um, but I still thought it was... It was well done. They spent some money. Uh, you mentioned Maggie. She's one of the producers. So is Franco. David Simon, obviously, the executive, uh, overseeing it with a couple of other people. So what do you I, think I, of the story? Okay, so, so you know where this is going to go. There, There's an industry that uh, right. Bill Bergoli, tell, tell us where this is going. This is going into Pornoville. Right. With Mag Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, eventually he's going to say, like all women and everybody in the movie industry, she's going to she's going to look on after doing a uh, after servicing a client, going. Eventually, I want to direct. Yeah, I don't need <laughs> this right. shit anymore. Well, we should have mentioned that in the storyline, she's she was well, just because in the storyline, she's the one prostitute that doesn't have a pimp, doesn't right, want to rely right. on a man to to. Well, it was very obvious. There's a scene with a pimp. Where this girl doesn't want to work in the I won't spoil what happens. She does. She goes into her pimp and says that you know it's pouring rain out there, and he goes, "Come on, baby, well, let's go somewhere. We want to go somewhere." Yeah, we can't imagine where this goes. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I no. I said like, "Well, gee, uh, what's going to happen to her?" You know, like like yes, there was there was it's kind of obvious, but I think that the Franco character. By the way, where does Franco have the time? even do a television series since he does like 18 movies uh, a week you know I, I don't even that's a whole other question but um, when we were doing talking pictures on television every week it was another James Franco movie that he was in and directing or producing and, and he has a huge one at Toronto right now based on a bad movie called The Room that's called The Disaster Artist yeah it's getting a lot of bump from the first episode um, you know it's hard to judge anything but I think the Franco character, my guess, is that he's going to be probably leaving, becoming a bartender and going into the, that, that industry. Maybe he'll be directing some of these uh, films. I, I don't know. But Let's um, not guess where it's going because it, everything, I, everything the, looks more interesting than this first episode. I'm, I'm interested in the, right, I, I, in the development of the NYU student to see where that's yeah. going. There's a cop that was, uh, that w that was uh, the kind of... Um, Sleazy, hitting on, obviously, can be bought cop that yeah. lets the girl so go. I wasn't overwhelmed by the first episode, but if it's exposition and they're laying groundwork for future things. No pun I, intended with yeah, laying. Exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a very good scene, uh, not, that, not that it's revelatory. I mean, there's been other scenes like this in movies where Maggie Gyllenhaal, a bunch of young kids for some kid's birthday, want to buy him a hooker, you know? And it's... Um, was it like how, how much? How much? I've seen that in yes. a bunch of movies. I know he it's suffers 40. from premature congratulations. Yeah. How, 30, how much money? Thir how thirty much? bucks for the room and ten, uh, thirty bucks for her yeah, and ten bucks for the room. Right, and he's it's all over in about uh, five seconds. And yeah, and she like, has. Oh, she you want to go again? Good, I'll do it. Thirty bucks. You know? Yeah, yeah. You take a, a check for my grandma. She has a really good explanation about why she can't do it again for free. Uh, that's good writing. There's a couple of things yes, that are well that's, written. That's actually the be one of the best scenes in the whole thing. But I got no, I got no time or no use for the dual role trick of Franco. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the point of his other brother except to 
that he's a degenerate gambler and it's going to cost good Franco, good and bad Franco. It's going to cost good Franco more money. Uh, I, I was underwhelmed by that. A cool idea, but and there's a scene where they're together in the how did yeah. they do that in the bar? But <laughs> other Duke, than that, Patty Duke, my friend. Yeah, um, <laughs> I dream a genie with the two sisters. The whole thing felt the whole thing felt flat to me. Yeah, it, it seems like they're obviously just building. And this better ready. be a hit because vinyl was an expensive mistake. Yeah, and vinyl this is the, was this is good. the same sort of world. It's the it's as though this was being shot around the corner from where they shot vinyl. <laughs> well, there's another story in here which could go somewhere, which also, if they could develop it properly, might be okay. It's about a girl who comes from Minnesota, kind of knows the ropes of being a prostitute, hooks up with this pimp, and... Um, She's going to be Marilyn Chambers. Oh, really? I think, yeah, that was really obvious. Too. That's where she came from, right, Minnesota? I, I just think that... Oh, um, I didn't even see that one coming. But no, I, mean, I, I, I don't know, but it's probably fashioned after that. Well, um, I love the production design. I agree with you. I wasn't overwhelmed with the story. Let's see where it goes. Hopefully, it'll get better, and hopefully, this was just uh, setting it up, as they say. You exposition. Know? Yeah, exactly. But it could be flat. We'll check in with you more on that. Um, as I said about Walt Disney, it's interesting, you know, talking about Times Square and 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 how horrible. I mean, I look at it. I look at the Deuce, and I look at New York back then. With and and they really again a great job. I mean. The streets are not paved well, you know. The sidewalks are dirty, not just with trash, but, I mean, I remember when I first got out of college, I remember, you know, and this was like the late 70s, I was working as an intern at uh, 30 Rock, and that building was, uh, if you look at pictures in the 70s and 60s of 30 Rock, or even if you look at On the Town with Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly and the third guy who nobody remembers, I'm sorry, but um, the building is kind of like almost black, because there's so much dirt on it. And then they spray clean the building. And I remember walking around, and I was a kid right at the college, and I'm going, I bet you all this stuff looked good when they first built it. And I would look at all these <laughs> things in the city. The city was defaulting, was running out of money. And all these things just looked like they had their day 30 years ago, and it was probably really beautiful at another time, but it's just too bad that it's decayed. And now if you walk around the city, they just brought it all back, and it all looks beautiful. Rockefeller Center looks beautiful. Um, and 42nd Street, you still can't walk down, but that's only because of tourists. Well, 42nd Street, I remember um, when they decided they were going to close all of 42nd Street down, and Disney decided to redo the New Amsterdam Theater, and they, did, they brought the Disney parade that they have in Disneyland and Disney World to 42nd Street. But it was hookers. It was... Uh, <laughs> Transvestites. Pl- yeah, Disney no. hookers. No, it was, the, princesses. It, it, was, it was the most G-rated thing you could possibly think of. And I'm sitting there with my wife Mickey and my Mouse daughter. Mickey Mouse slipped you a Mickey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're sitting there with your wife and daughter. Who was very young at the time. And I'm saying, if somebody told me 15 years ago that I'd be sitting with my daughter, who was probably like seven or eight at the time, on grandstands that they put on 42nd Street to watch a Disney parade, I would have gone like, there's no way that's ever happening. And 42nd Street now is Disney, is Disneyland. I mean, it's the most sanitized thing that you could possibly think of, you know? And which brings me to this thing that I saw over Labor Day weekend, and I don't know if it's new or if they were just resurrecting older stuff, but there's a series on uh, PBS called The American Experience, and it was a two-part thing, four hours, and it was on Walt Disney. And they, was it at all unflattering? Was it no anti-Semite no, no, wasn't mentioned, and it didn't talk about any of his 
supposed chain uh, smoker, anti-Semite. Yes, anti-Semite. Exactly. Yeah, I said. No, well, it did. He did. They do tell you that he died of lung cancer and goes it's his whole life, and he says that he was a smoker all his life, and his father lived to him in, in his nineties, and he was going to beat this thing. So they did talk about that, but what struck me was this: that Disney. Unlike, they just unveiled this week, yesterday, we were recording this on a Wednesday, the new iPhone yesterday, you know? And uh, even though Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs, if you remember the Steve Jobs movie, which was written by Aaron Sorkin, and Seth Ashton Rogen, Kutcher was so good in that. Who was? Ashton Kutcher was so good in that. <laughs> what? Uh, so... Wozniak, played by Seth Rogen, goes over to Steve Jobs and goes, what do you do? I invented the operating system. I, invent, I, I came up with a way to make the iPod work. I did the, 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 the mouse pad and the mouse. What do you do? You haven't created anything. You know? And he goes, uh, I'm the business guy. I get this thing done. But Disney actually created Disneyland. I mean, he had this whole thing in his head. I mean, we're going to have a frontier land, and it's going to be like the Wild West, and we're going to have a Tomorrowland, and we're going to have a fantasy land, which is going to bring all our Disney characters. That, you know, he just envisioned the whole, and apparently he's walking around Disneyland in, in Anaheim, and he's going, move that tree. You can't see the castle. These garbage cans aren't authentic. This area is supposed to be like 1880s America. We need a, th you know, like the guy had, you know, according to this documentary, this guy had the whole thing in his head. And Snow White, he had the whole thing in his head. There were cartoons were just two, three minutes. And, you know, he's like, no, I'm going to do a feature-length cartoon. It's going to be art. And he apparently brought all the animators and he started acting out what he wanted the Snow White feature-length film to be. So he was the creator, you know? I mean, this guy was a visionary genius. And what struck me is that Epcot, which uh, was the experimental prototype community of tomorrow, that's what it stood for, was he died. He never got to, like, everything that this guy envisioned when he was alive, he kind of came out pretty much exactly the way he wanted it to be. Epcot was going to be all these corporations and it was going to be a functioning city. And they were going to be like a think tank where all these companies were going to be sharing ideas and stuff. So, I don't know. He's in a freezer under Epcot right now. Is he, is with, he under Epcot? With, with Sarah Lee. Yeah. There, it's, um, <laughs> I didn't know that he was under Epcot. Totally I didn't know that he was frozen. <laughs> He's supposedly frozen somewhere. I don't think it's under Epcot. But uh, the dream is someday Walt can come back and see Epcot. Well, he'd be disappointed with Epcot, according to this, uh, <laughs> th th this documentary. But he'd be thrilled with 42nd Street. Well, I don't know. What do you think? You think, um, I mean, how much has Disney permeated the culture? I mean, seriously, in terms of just, I mean, there were no amusement parks. I mean, amusement parks, according to this documentary, before Disneyland were, like, even Disney's wife said, like, what do you want to do with amusement park? That's kind of seedy people. There were amusement tawdry. parks. There weren't theme parks. There weren't things that took but a concept and introduced it. like, you know, see the fat lady... You know, see the sword swallower, you know, see the freaks. No, he's the original merchandiser. He's the original uh, licensee of images that became not just full-length movies, but stuffed animals. And, uh, yeah, branding. And, all and of that's what they call soft goods, I think, everything that isn't the movie. Um, he's he's got to be the pioneer of that. Yeah, sure. You know, well, they actually made a mistake when it came to merchandising the Frozen merchandise. Uh, they, the Frozen merchandise? Yeah, for the movie Frozen. Oh, Fro oh okay. <laughs> Frozen so we're talking about Frozen Disney movie. being Walt but Disney being their Frozen. Their big mistake was that they thought the big character, the character that everyone was going to want. Oh, yeah, I remember up, this. They made way too, to, many, uh, way too many snowmen. 
<laughs> and not enough princesses. Really? And the princesses were huge, and that created, uh, you couldn't get it, so that created sort of a... A media. meltdown? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> no, I really am oh, sick. If this were a movie, Bill would be dead in the next 20 <laughs> minutes. Bill's coughing. status would be dead, which uh, dovetails nicely into Brad's status, which is also opening this week. YouTube pick of the week or pick of the week, Mr. McCutty? Well, let's talk about Brad's status first because that's another one that I really want to see besides Mother. This is uh, Mike White who broke out with Chuck and Buck many years ago and yeah. did a new movie that's on demand called Beatrix at Dinner. Did you see with Salma Hayek? No, I didn't, didn't see that. that. We'll talk about that in a second. This is, this is Ben Stiller who's taking his son uh, around colleges and is kind of having a midlife crisis because his, his friends, Ben's friends, are all super successful people, and Ben runs some kind of a nonprofit organization. So he thinks that he's like the inferior guy in his circle of pals. Um, and uh, the kid is supposed to be great, and I just I'm hearing great things about it. Uh, Mike White, I think, is a very very talented writer. As I mentioned, Chuck and Buck, which was that. He also kinda, did School of Rock. School of Rock, yeah. He, which is he's, very different. Did he direct he did, that? He did, did the he emoji. He's, he's primarily a writer. Oh, yeah. He does some directing. Um, the the Emoji movie he was one of the writers on. We won't hold that against him. <laughs> uh, but this Beatrice at Dinner is really interesting with Selma Hayek. Uh, and she's um, a healer, a masseuse. And, and she's in this house in Beverly Hills. And her car breaks down. And the family says, why don't you stay here for dinner? They're having a dinner party. And John Lithgow plays basically a Trump-loving uh, Berkshire Hathaway kind of guy who shows up, he'll do anything to get a, a hotel built. He's very Trump-esque. And this woman, Salma Hayek, who's just basically fallen into this dinner party, starts to call him out on his shit. Like, yeah. you drive people out of villages, you build, you know, you destroy wildlife ecosystems. And it's, it's, it's really kind of squirm-inducing. And uh, it, 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 got a, it got a lot of play when it came out, and then it just kind of went away. It's now new uh, on video, and, and I highly recommend it. Sounds like also, the, a bit like the man who came to dinner with Monty It is, the, it's is the woman it? who came to dinner, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it, it's really great. Um, other, other things new streaming are Snatched, which you guys hated, or you never saw Snatched, did yeah, you? I, I didn't, saw yeah, Snatched. I didn't like it at all. I'm not My a expectations big fan. were so low that I thought... I'm not uh, a big fan. I thought that was funny. I enjoyed it. So did Lily. Uh, also opening this week, Captain Underpants, uh, which well, I did Captain not see. Well, Captain Underpants, let me uh, tell you. The Mummy with Tom Cruise, uh, and It Comes at Night, which is a, a very good apocalyptic story of survival with Joel Egerton that we did on uh, our regular show when it came out, uh, if you'll recall. That's a good film. Um, speaking of Tom Cruise, I've been mentioning, I've been meaning to mention for like three weeks now. He has a movie coming out. Has anybody seen American Made or uh, Made yeah, in America? Just I think the trailer. The trailer looks Based great. Based on yeah. a true trailer lie, looks like he's that, having fun. What does that supposed to mean? Um, well, there there was a guy who the the government, obviously CIA, hired to run drugs for them and kind of protected him. Yeah. Um, and Tom Cruise looks like he's having a ball in this thing. It looks kind of like an Aaron Sorkin. I'm not sure who wrote it. Uh, but the dialogue seems snappy. It wasn't Aaron Sorkin, I should say, but it has that milieu of snappy ratatat writing, maybe in the kind of like blow with uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, the Jonathan Demi film that with uh, Johnny Depp. With Johnny Depp. It's a great movie. Or was it a Ted Demi film? I think it was a Jonathan. It's Ted Demi. Ted Demi. Yeah, it was a great yeah, movie. I love that movie. Um, and 
so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Other than that, uh, what's your favorite Johnny Depp movie? Um, I can tell you hands down, but but before I spoil it, I guess I I guess I like uh, Donnie Brasco. Or, Donnie Brasco is a great movie. Not or, my favorite, or, but it's a great movie. It sounds it's actually that sounds like another Johnny Depp movie, Chocolat, which is also not my. It's not my favorite. I don't know if you right. remember that what line in Chocolat. Is what's your favorite Chocolat dish? Not my favorite. What's your favorite Johnny Depp movie? I love Donnie Brasco. It's great. Good. What's it in Gilbert? Great, maybe. Really? Is that yeah. what you're going with? Yeah, I'm going that far back. Because <laughs> after a while, it became a cartoon. Well, <clears throat> I do love Donnie Brasco, and I do love Blow, but I'd have to go with Ed Wood. I'd have to go oh, with Ed Wood. That, that's a one-dimensional performance to me. Oh, I think it's yeah. great. Didn't Martin Landau win an Academy yes, Award for that? for playing... Uh, I think he Morris was Call better. Of, uh, uh, grunting. I didn't, yeah. Call of was shit. He was shit. <laughs> He's not an actor. Yeah, that was... Uh, but I think Johnny Depp was terrific playing... Uh, playing... What was the director? What, what, what's the guy's name? Ed Wood. Ed Wood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. And I'm the what, sick one? That's <laughs> the color of George Washington's white horse. There you go. That's true. Uh, so next week we're going to talk about um, the uh, Billy Jean King, Bobby Riggs movie right. with Steve Carell and Emma Stone. Battle of the Sexes. Battle of the Sexes. I, we Bill are, Bra- see, we are all Bra- seeing it. Which Bill saw an early... Or this is, I love that yes, insider stuff. Bergoli saw an early, early, early version of this film because he's so inside Hollywood. And uh, he's going to see, see the... Again. He's going to see the recut version uh, with us next week and then so we'll be able to talk about that. Okay, yeah. so the Emmys are this Sunday. Um, Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert is hosting. Any predictions? It'll be boring. Yeah. <laughs> Any yeah. predictions, Bill Bergoli? No, it's not my favorite show to watch, to be honest. Yeah, with Veep going to just win everything again in the comedy category? Maybe because it's the last year. Well, next you know, year. It's going yeah. up. Well, yeah, I know. But, season. Uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, that's the problem. Get... No, that's the problem. Remember when Frazier won every year? I just stopped watching. It's like. Yeah. John, uh, and then there was one, a year when John Lithgow would win every year for Third Rock from the Sun. He would just win every year. Kelsey Grammer, as you said, for Frazier would win every year. You yeah. know, um, is Bob Odenkirk out of shot? Or is it going to be, uh, you know, um, I don't know, Mr. Robot guy? Let's see. <laughs> do you watch Mr. Robot? No. Do you watch Mr. Robot? No. What do, do streaming shows have to do to be Emmy considered? Nothing. Nothing? They can just... Nothing. I mean, to me, Master of None, the Aziz Ansari show to me is probably the best half an hour comedy that's, that's on TV and it's on Netflix. I think it's brilliant. Better than Archer? Don't watch Archer. Do you like Archer? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah well, Archer's uh, fun. I hear it's good, but there's too much TV out there. There's too much to keep up with everything. Who has time for it all? We do. We do. We watch, what do we do here? We watch the bad streaming so you don't have to. <laughs> we watch the bad, <laughs> watch so the bad TV shows so you don't have to. The bad movies so you don't have to. Unless it's Mother and they don't show it to us, which uh, we'll talk about next You week. Mother. What's your pick of the week, Bill, before we get out of here? Oh, uh, it'll, be, it'll be it again. It again? It again. Oh, absolutely. Really? Mother's not, yeah. not going to take that. Because what are they make? A hundred and... When they're done counting, actually, the actuals... The estimate was 117.9 or 119 million, but the actuals Monday were 125 million. So you cut that in half? Yeah, or 60%, they say. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's still going to be number one. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Um, my YouTube uh, surprise of the week... Is uh, and you can get this on demand. You can get this on YouTube. Uh, Larry David's appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live this week 
Um, I made Bill McCuddy watch it. That is, uh, right. that is the funny. The real part, but when, when the spot is over, do stay for the next segment when um, there's a... The name isn't Jack. It's one of those Jack No, Hanna. it's David Salamone. Yeah, it's a guy with animals, and Larry David decides to stick around for the next segment when they bring the poisonous snakes and the mountain lions and all the crazy animals on. That Just, just check it out. Very invest, funny. Invest a few minutes of your time. I think you'll have a good laugh. Mine is Norm MacDonald interviewing uh, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, which is a couple weeks old, I think, but yeah, I watched that this morning. That. Very good. I finally caught up with that. He, he also Rich does Rich Little. He did Rich Little this week. And uh, I found some of the parts of that fascinating. It's a well, long drive. I can't believe Rich Little's still alive. I thought he was dead. Well, me, well first of all, his hair is He's so 78. badly dyed. Yeah, well. You know, and, and Wait till you're 78 and see what you do. Well, hair. I don't know. I saw Jackie Mason the other day, speaking of dyed hair. He lives across the street, the street from Yeah, me. I just saw um, I uh, interviewed him. You know, we're right near Carnegie Hall here at Bill McCuddy's apartment. And I actually went up to Jackie Mason's apartment and did an interview there yeah. once quite a number of years ago. What a nice apartment. My goodness. What a nice yeah. apartment Jackie Mason has. Very good. You Every know. Jew knows a building. If they bought that building, they'd be rich today. Well, he's still performing. Um, I, it, it was listed in, you know, somewhere, Westbury or one of these places where it was Jackie Mason. He's not doing the Broadway shows anymore, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Is he still with it, you think? Is uh, he, still... he was talking to a woman. There were, there were he walks around the, street. the streets around here, yeah, and he, he will talk to anybody that will talk yeah, to him. Yeah, he's very approachable. And either hair, lovely or sad, depending on your definition. nature. You know, right. I ran into his daughter at a comedy club. He has a daughter, Sheba Mason, ah. who um, I think they're kind of estranged. But Yeah, that's uh, what that whole Simpsons is about. Simpson thing? Yeah, there's a Simpsons episode about that. No kidding. Well, he plays the, it's, well, it's a takeoff the, on the jazz the singer, of but. One of some, yeah. Krusty the Clown's father, if, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. I think so. And it was kind of like a takeoff episode on the jazz singer. Or yeah, something. that's what I just said. <laughs> you said the jazz singer. Yeah. Oh, I'm nice that I'm listening. Okay. And, and, and you're the one who doesn't yeah. feel well today. You're um, at my apartment, by yeah, the way. But what does it have to do with Sheba? No, it, it's it was informed by that by his own loss. Like he, they, Gronig in an interview said he didn't want to do it at first because he's also estranged from his child. But then they talked him into it, and he did it, and it's good. And now well, it's something. Apparently, there. Sheba Mason and her mother. Um, they do a play, uh, I, and, and if Sheba Mason is listening to this, I, I do apologize. I'm not getting this done done exa right, exactly right. But they do a whole play about her being. I think you know. I think she plays her mother or something, and somebody plays Jackie Mason. There's, there's a, she's very much in the forefront of you know that she's Jackie Mason's daughter, despite Jackie Mason not probably wanting to have much to do with her or whatever that relationship is. But there's a whole play that she performs about the situation. So okay. I don't know. Anyway. Jackie Mason trivia. Anyway, I think Then the that play is over and it's time to go home and that's what we should say now. So, so we're gonna say goodbye. goodbye and I think the world according to me was a really great Jackie Mason play. I've seen them all, they're very good. Anyway. Bill, you got a Jackie Mason you want to try out here? Because apparently anybody can I know better. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you with one Jackie Mason story. And oh, then boy. we're gonna go. Uh, I used to be on the show when I in the early nineteen eighties on the Joey Reynolds show. It was done in NBC, at 30 Rock at NBC Radio. And uh, it was the show that replaced Howard Stern. When they fired Howard Stern, they hired this guy, nice guy, Joey Reynolds. So uh, it was kind of a zany show, you know, and cast of characters, people that did imitation. Anyway, Jackie Mason, they used to corral guests from this TV show that was done a few floors up in 30 Rock called Live at Five, 
which was the end, which was the from, you know five to six o'clock. It was before the NBC News. It was with Sue Simmons and Chauncey Howell and Jack Cafferty, and they would Chuck so, Scarborough. Yeah, they would get all these guests and they would pull them into the radio. So Jackie Mason comes in, and I don't know. There's probably like six people in the room, and everybody is talking like Jackie Mason during this segment. Yeah. It wasn't planned. But everybody just seemed to want to do their Jackie Mason impersonation, speaking of like Rich Little, which we were talking about earlier. And Jackie Mason goes at one point, this is crazy. What kind of show is this? Because everybody was just talking like Jackie Mason. Just regular conversation. Everybody was going, so we're going to the weather. Okay, we're going to check the weather. It was really ridiculous. You know, as I'm telling the story, not, not, as, in, not, yeah, not as interesting as you not thought. Not as interesting as it was to do that. <laughs> But probably for Jackie, maybe the high point of his career. All right, so we'll talk to you about Mother next week because we'll have seen it. And we're going to tell you about Battle of the Sexes. And, um, you know, sorry that we haven't seen more movies this week, but they're not showing them to us, which is a conversation. Maybe we, we will have someone as a guest next week from who's been to the Toronto Film Festival. One of the reasons it's just the three of us this week is that a lot of people are Everybody's out of town. Everybody's up in Toronto. And we have the Hamptons Film Festival coming up, and we have uh, the New York Film Festival coming we're up. We're going to be so live from the Hamptons We can Film preview Festival. some of those things. And we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff that's coming out. So, uh Right, maybe not the most exciting episode of sitting around talking movies. Well, it was till the end there when you just completely buzz killed it. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> Thanks for sitting around talking movies with us. We'll talk. We'll sit around talking movies with you again next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.